Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. A jam-packed talk of champions coming your way in just a second. Ole Miss running backs coach Derek Nix, David Johnson of the Ole Miss Spirit, to preview a big Ole Miss football recruiting weekend, some leftover mailbag questions answered with bended hip, and much, much more. But first, briefly, let me tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. You guys know the story at this point. Recently, my wife's expedition was giving me all kinds of trouble. I was pouring money into it. I was fed up. So I called Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford on a whim before my daughter's T-ball game said, guys, I need a new car. And this is what I'm looking for. Ben, we got the perfect car. It's a van. It's a Chrysler Pacifica, which worked for me. It's the only van my wife was willing to drive. I said, cool, I'll be there in an hour. So I drove over. It was sitting there waiting for me. Loaded up, leather seats, car play. It's the best car I've ever bought. And that's no lie. That's what Brian and Mason and all the crew at Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford do. They cater to your needs. They take care of you. They'll give you a great deal. They did it for me. From new and used sales to parts and service, Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates them from every other dealership in Oxford or elsewhere is Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. I can personally vouch for them. If you trust me, you can trust them. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They'd get a kick out of it. Hell, I'd get a kick out of it. To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-234-8000. 662-234-8000. To find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep, it's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. And now... It's Talk of Champions. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter and the guest co-host chair is Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. Today's guest, Derek Nix, Ole Miss running backs coach, as well as David Johnson, 
my co-worker, the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports for a recruit check. Ole Miss has got a number of recruits coming into town this weekend for a cookout. He's the recruiting guy, but Bennett comes in first. Hey, bud, what's up? Not much, man. How are you? Good. How are you? Do you feel like football's there yet? You feel like we're here yet? No, I feel like we're just in that kind of weird period in between where the season is definitely close, but it's just not quite there. Like I, I know some people are trying to to fake it and say that football is here. We still got a couple weeks um, before camp gets going, and then a couple more weeks before the season. So um, no, not quite there. We're just kind of in that waiting period, I think. What are your top storylines for college football this year? What's most interesting to you? From a national level, I don't know that I don't know that there's that many interesting storylines because at least at the top of the game, I mean, I think it's um, I think it's Alabama and Clemson, and, and I think if you want to look at something else, it's maybe it's just the year where Georgia can can take a step and not only be. Um, the best in the East, but really um, knock off Alabama and take their spot. I'm kind of interested in Oklahoma. I want to see what Jalen Hurts looks like um, away from Alabama, if he can improve in that offense. From a national level, it's not the most exciting buildup to a college football season. It feels a little bit like the NBA the last couple of years, where the NBA is one team the last few years with the Warriors. This year, for college football, it's two. Um, but outside of those two, I just don't know that there's that much that's really appealing or exciting to me, um, at, at least right now. For some reason, I'd completely forgotten about Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. I love that fit. I, I'm really intrigued. Like, I think it could be fun. Um, I, I think Leakin Riley is really good at what he does and really good at adapting his scheme to whatever quarterback he has. So I just want to see how that looks. You know, I want to see Jalen Hurts outside of the Alabama offense. I want to see if he can take a step throwing the football because if he can throw the football combining with what he can do on the ground, I, I think Oklahoma can kind of just kind of hop right into what they were doing last year with Kyler Murray and they're right back there in contention. Um, but that obviously is dependent on Hertz being able to make throws down the field, explosive plays. And we've seen that off and on from him, but obviously that's the reason he didn't get the job full-time in Alabama because he wasn't a good thrower as Tua was. So I really am intrigued because if, if he can make it work, then they become a pretty kind of exciting and kind of sexy, fun team outside of the top two. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's been at hip. Jake Thompson was going to co-host the show today. He's been doing a tremendous job covering the murder of Ali Castile for the Oxford Eagle. He got a little tied up when we were going to record completely understandable that's far more important than doing this podcast right now so jake thompson will come on at another time and we'll cover all those things it's it's a really tough time in oxford right now it's a strange time in oxford right now but Derek nick's coming up david johnson for a recruit check we did a mailbag talk of champions on tuesday with david brandt of the associated press at david brandt ap on twitter and i touched on every single question that got in before we recorded but there are a couple of questions that were left out and it was not by choice i didn't do this to spite you. You got them in too late. I put them up at 9 a.m. You can't send me a question late afternoon and expect me to get to it, but I'm going to get to it now. There's a great question the other day, Bennett, for the mailbag. Somebody asked, are there any ideas you can come up with to make sports more fun for this time of the year? And all David Brandt and I could come up with is pay attention to Major League Baseball. You and I are huge Braves fans. We're completely wrapped up in the Braves, even though they suffered a terrible loss to the Royals <laughs> I went and saw Hamilton Tuesday night in Memphis. That was fun. But what can you do? What can we do sports-wise? Any ideas to make this time of the year not so boring? 
No, not really. I mean, it, it would have to be happy involved following a, a different sport, you know, I, and I think if you're uh, a big three, a big four sports fan, you, I don't know that there's a lot of appetite to adding another sport to your kind of, to your repertoire. But outside of that, I don't know that there's anything to be done. NBA season's done. Um, MLB is going strong, but again, this is kind of, um, you know, trade deadlines going on, but there's still a month and a half left in the season. We haven't quite hit the stretch run. Uh, football's not going yet. This is kind of the dead period. So unless you're into international soccer or if you want to start following tennis, there's tennis on every day during the summer. But outside of that, I just don't know that um, there's anything that could be done for this part of the calendar outside of adding a whole other sport to, to whatever you watch. You're a big tennis fan. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it last night after the Braves game. They're they're in Atlanta this week, so um, good tennis in Atlanta. Okay, so, so the it, question is for someone like me or the person that wants to be more invested in something to make sports more fun. Make the case for watching tennis. Uh, I think the case for watching tennis is. I mean, it's entertaining. It's something that you don't have to follow it super hard. You can put it on in the background. Say you're working from home on a Thursday or something. Um, you can throw it on tennis channel. There's live tennis on basically from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed. Like this week, they're in Atlanta. Next week, they're in Washington. Um, so it's good, fun, hardcore tennis. And it's just kind of easy, entertaining to follow. You're not diving in, but it's there. It's entertaining and, and good professional level tennis. It's not a not a grand slam, but it's going to keep you entertained. and It's fun to watch. Turn it on and give it a shot. It's always on. So no matter what time it is time of day there's something to watch in terms of tennis my suggestion would be professional wrestling but wrestling <laughs> is terrible right now you can't watch wwe it's insufferable it's unwatchable they had a reunion for the greatest I saw, yeah i didn't i didn't watch it but i saw that they're doing the uh reunion thing right um it was a complete ratings that- grab because vince is panicked he has to address the stockholders and explain to them why fans are just leaving the product in droves well, not, right not to now. Get deep in the weeds here, but didn't they didn't they change like who books the shows or runs the yes. shows or Paul something? Paul Heyman like is now the quote showrunner. It's the creative for Raw, while Eric Bischoff of WCW lore is now running SmackDown. But nothing's really changed. It all has to go through Vince, and Vince is going to do what Vince does. It's been a terrible product forever. The numbers have just dropped like an anvil. Of course. The Raw reunion with all these legends coming back, including Stone Cold just walking out to the ring and drinking some beer, and then the show goes off. It resulted in the best viewership in a year. Of course it did. And now they're going to probably try to do gimmicky stuff like that. But this is the time. So what is it? Is it the inability to make new stars, or is it just getting lost because there's so much other stuff that's on? You know, like on a Monday night or whatever. Monday night 15 years ago, there was no Netflix or anything, but you could you would turn it on and watch Raw. Um, but now there's Netflix, there's baseball on, there's whatever. Is it just there's more many more options, or is it a WWE specific thing? It's a WWE specific thing. The laziness of the creative has resulted in diminishing returns, and it doesn't help WWE that an alternative AEW has come up to now divert attention away from WWE. When you see the same things over and over and over, like, for example, there's this thing that Vince loves to do to where the Revival wins the tag team championships. 
and the Usos, who they're going to face at a pay-per-view in a month, will face them on Raw. And the Usos will pin the tag team champions, which results in them going to a pay-per-view. Here's what happens in boxing. If Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao are going to fight in a month, they aren't boxing every Monday leading up to their pay-per-view. No. They're completely away from each other. There's no reason to watch a pay-per-view, which is supposed to be event television. There's no reason to watch WrestleMania, which is supposed to be event television, because you know you're going to get a variation of that on the preceding Monday or the previous Monday on Raw. And you're going to get the same finishes, a distraction finish. A champion is pinned by the challenger. It's the same nonsense. It's gimmicky nonsense. Braun Strowman was on fire. He was this giant. He was this monster. But when it came time for him to go over and win a title against Roman Reigns, who was not getting the same pop, or go over on Brock Lesnar, who was not getting the same pop, who hasn't wrestled a live match on Raw in 17 years, Braun Strowman lost. So the guys who get over organically, who the fans love and appreciate, who Vince swears they're going to listen to the fans more, even though they had to drag Vince kicking and screaming just to give Daniel Bryan what he deserved at the WrestleMania I attended in New Orleans, rather than giving fans what they want, they continue to shove down the throats of fans, what they want you to want, what they want you to accept. So Braun Strowman hasn't ever won a big match, so why should you take him seriously? Samoa Joe is awesome, an indie darling. And what happened? Samoa Joe on Monday, for example, loses an important match. He's now 0 for 8 in matches that would have resulted in a championship. So what's the point? Brock Lesnar is wearing the belt again. I didn't think we'd get into this. I don't know how we got here, but... (laughs) There's a problem with the product in that it's the same mind-numbing, boring product. And in July, you should be able to tune into Raw or tune into SmackDown and watch these great feats of athleticism. You should be able to well, do that. Well, I think it's funny. I think college football is going through that same kind of thing. From right. A, they're not manufactured storylines, obviously, but from a pure entertainment yeah, They kind of are. Yeah, to to an extent, sure. In terms of getting fans in seats and getting fans to go to games, um, I I think college football is having a lot of those same issues. Yeah, if you're an Ole Miss fan, what's the draw for you? What's the draw for you right now? I I could go spend half of my day, six, eight hours, going to the game, going to Grove, going to drink with friends, and then getting out there in the heat and sitting there watching them maybe win – But at the end of the season, when the season's over in December or January, whenever, November, hell, I don't know, when the season is over, what are you competing for? A bowl game that is meaningless. And that's across the board. The only few teams competing for a championship, which is supposed to be the goal for everybody, is Clemson and Alabama right now. If I asked you who's the number three team in the country, there's no consensus there. No, no, it's just personal preference at that point. It's the same, and, and I think issue. even on a even on a smaller level, like I, I think if you're just talking just strictly Ole Miss, I, I think if you were at if you were to ask someone today, like okay, hey, you can um, you can go to the Arkansas game, like wh- are you going to go? Yes or no? Why? Like why would you go? And then someone would rightly say, well, we'll go tailgate for the first time of the year. We'll go see. We want to see Matt Corral. We want to see the new defense. We want to see how all that looks. But I think the worry for Ole Miss would be 
that is happening now, but week one, you sit at home and watch Ole Miss. Let's say they lose to Memphis to start the season. At that point, you've seen Matt Corral. You've seen Ole Miss. They just right. lost to Memphis. What's your draw to then go and spend your day in Oxford the next week um, for a night game that you're not going to get back home until after midnight probably? Yeah, and so for most that, people that, out there, they're going to get up and go to church on Sunday. And right. they don't want to be groggy. And if Ole Miss loses, have to deal with their Mississippi State friends that are going to get on them at First Baptist Church in New Albany or right. Oxford. And, and to be fair, like obviously, if Ole Miss were to win the Memphis game, then there's a clear whatever. But sure. in this hypothetical where Ole Miss loses what is thought to be uh, a toss-up Memphis game, I, I think that's the interesting thing: is is what can you do to draw people out to go to the game and not just sit at home and watch it and. I say that as someone that's going to sit at home and watch it. I mean, obviously, I'm a long ways away from Mississippi, but even if I were closer to there, I don't know that I would really have the draw to to go out and see it. So I just think that's – I think college football is dealing with that same thing. I think Ole Miss uh, is certainly dealing with that same thing. And I don't know that there's an easy answer for all of that, but it certainly – that's got to be figured out in the next six months, a year, 18 months, whatever you want to do. Um, but I think those issues are, are – kind of throughout the sports at this point. There's not this loyalty, this draw of loyalty or allure of loyalty from fans that they have to be in the stands to be a good fan. And that's all college football can hold on to. If you're not in the stands, if you're within driving distance and not in the stands, you're a bad fan. Screw that. Who cares? Well, And I, and I think it's, it, it's the way that things have gone now. It's schools and conferences wanted these networks and the networks have been great. But I don't know if now every game's on TV. Look, this yeah, exactly. So uh, there's a positive to having every game on TV. Like for me, as someone who really enjoys Ole Miss basketball, it's great having every game either on TV or on ESPN Plus, and I can stream it and watch it. That's great. But for the average fan, you know, whether it's football or basketball, uh, I think baseball is a little different. But for football and basketball. Now that every game is on TV, and if you live in Memphis and you're having to decide, hey, do I want to go drive to Oxford on a Wednesday night to watch Ole Miss and Georgia play basketball, knowing that you've got to go to work in the morning and you've got kids, you've got all this and that, now that you can watch that game on SEC Network or, or ESPN2 or whatever, you're going to stay at home and watch the game. You're still you're still a good fan. You still care about it. You're still going to be invested in the game, but you're not going to be there giving Ole Miss your money. You're not going to be there in the seat. Um, I don't know how you really fight that, but that is kind of where things are at now and, and what modern college athletic departments are having to deal with. Ole Miss is dealing with it. Now winning cures all, and Ole Miss fans sure. show up when you win. But Ole Miss and, is dealing and, with that right now. That's a tough thing for football, is or at least for Ole Miss basketball. There's excitement there. There's a draw to come out to the pavilion um, and watch that team play. And um, there's not that for football. And obviously, wins will start to do that. But even if you do start to win some games, it's still that's not going to be the magic cure. It definitely helps, but um, not going to fix it all either. That's why beer sales matter. Beer yeah, sales. For sure. Anyone Absolutely. out there that doesn't want beer sales, I, I I just don't understand. I don't really get it because you you go to a Grizzlies game on a Monday night, you go to a Panthers game on a Sunday afternoon. You Hell, go, go to, to a you, concert, go to Hamilton. I went to Hamilton on Tuesday night. It was delightful. 
It was wonderful. We were sat right beside the door. We were in row CC. It was great seats. It was on the floor. You know, we're staring and watching. Um, but we were by the door. That meant that I could go get beer whenever I wanted to. Right. Now, beer was expensive. It was $7 a pop. So to drink four <laughs> fat tires, I had to pay $28. But I did it because beer is what you do when you want to, when you're being it's, entertained, it's any form thing, of, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just an accepted part of concerts and professional sports. And it's just not a thing. You don't worry about it. You go to the Braves game, you have a couple beers before the game, you have a couple beers during the game, then you go home. Um, I don't know why it's so different for college athletics where it's like some sort of boogeyman. Uh, that- it's, it's this moral thing that people deal with. With I, I don't understand it in the slightest. Uh, when I go to the FedEx Forum, the Ghost River selling place for alcohol, the little stand for Ghost the River. The kiosk. The kiosk, thank you. The woman knows me. I have been there so many times <laughs> for Grizzlies games, for Raw or SmackDown when it came to Memphis, she knew me. She'd hand me my beer. That, that's part of the experience. Beer matters and beer draws. Because what are you going to be doing sitting at home drinking? If I'm watching a football game, I'm drinking. If I'm watching wrestling or golf or whatever, basketball, I'm drinking. That's part of it. That brings in revenue. They want to be able to enjoy themselves. To go be sober sitting in the scorching heat is not fun. <laughs> I'd, I'd much prefer to sit there and watch my 65-inch plasma television with 4D HD perfect picture with a beer right. and air conditioning, exactly. and I'll be at home when it's over, than go sit in the game. But that's across the board. we got to get to David Johnson and Derek Nix. Also, these questions, these leftover questions from the mailbag. But first, there's a cookout going on this weekend, Ole Miss recruiting cookout. I don't understand it either, but David Johnson does. We haven't done this in a while, so it's time to do a recruit check. <laughs> Wow. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this! This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Going to go now to recruit check. David Johnson's coming back. The former co-host of Talk of Champions. He knows all about Ole Miss recruiting. I don't. So it's time. It's time right now for a recruit check. Brought to you by John Wilty Realty. What do we know about living in Oxford right now? One, it's expensive. And two, if you live on one side of town and you want to go to the other side of town, it takes an hour to get through traffic. We're all jammed, packed in like sardines in this town. But have no fear. The Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. And I can already hear it. I can hear your first question. What's a traditional neighborhood? A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, shops, all within walking distance of your front door. How many times has it happened? You're trying to relax, have a nice afternoon by yourself. You open the refrigerator and immediately you get that sense of doom and gloom because you have to go to the grocery store. And that means a three hour trek across town. When you live at the Lamar, the grocery store is but a quick breezy walk from your front door. But what about the houses? I walk through them. They're custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. I myself was blown away. I told John, John, this is where I want to live. So don't delay. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build-out is happening. Get your spot. Secure your place. 
For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give him a call at 662-23-HOMES. 662-23-HOMES. And now, back to Talk of Champions. Recruit check time going now to David Johnson, my cohort at 247 Sports, the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm good, man. So what's going on this weekend? Some cookout thing? Well, you know, the good thing is the dead period is over for the summertime. It's time for recruiting to start hopping once again. And uh, it's not going to be a full house inside the Manning Center on Saturday, but it's a very important guest list to say the least. They're bringing in pretty much the entire 2020 commit class. There are a couple of guys who can't make it for various reasons. Uh, Robbie Ashford, the uh, four-star quarterback commit, may or may not can make it Saturday. It depends on some baseball things in his life working out. Uh, Luke Schaus, the offensive tackle out of Nashville, will not be there. Neither will Robert Scott, the offensive tackle out of Conway, Arkansas. But really and truly, that's pretty much it. Everybody else inside that commitment class expected to be there. Then there's a little bit of sprinkling of some guys that are targets that may or may not be there. The last bit of intel I've gotten is uh, Antonio Harmon, the 2021 wide receiver out of Kosciuszko, uh, that I personally think is the best best junior in the state of Mississippi going into this fall. Uh, he's going to be there, but he's kind of an exception to the rule. Most of this on Saturday, they're calling it a cookout. So I'm assuming there will be some grilling going on, Ben, uh, is is pretty much centered around this 2020 commitment class. The voice you hear is David Johnson at Rebels247 on Twitter. We work together at the Ole Miss Spirit, OmSpirit.com. I'm trying to understand the difference between this and say a camp weekend. They're not going to put them through drills and stuff, but I haven't heard of this. I used to cover recruiting regularly. I don't anymore. I can't remember the last time they did something before the season started, before fall camp started, that was a departure from getting all the kids together on campus for, say, a camp. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's something that's been trending for a couple of years throughout college football. All of these schools kind of have uh, a theme-oriented weekend. Ole Miss really hasn't had that over the last three, four seasons, uh, but they're going to have a cookout on Saturday, Ben, and it, it, it's kind of, I think, a rallying point to kind of make sure this class is sticking together, will stick together, and, uh, and then maybe making an impression on a couple of guys who aren't in the boat yet that might be in the boat soon, so to speak. Who are the non-commitments that are most important coming in this weekend? Well, it's kind of up in the air right now on a couple of guys, uh, Jabari Small, Emmanuel Forbes. Now, talking to my Ole Miss sources uh, really just a couple of hours ago, uh, they were expecting these guys to be there. Small, of course, the running back out of Briarcrest Christian. Forbes, the cornerback, currently committed to Mississippi State out of Grenada. Uh, but there's been some intel uh, shared since that point that maybe Small has something else going on this weekend, is not going to be able to make it. And Forbes may decide instead to go to Mississippi State this weekend. We're really just going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see if either of those guys show up. Everything I'm hearing right now, though, green light is on for Antonio Harmon to be here. And again, I think he's the most important recruit 
for Ole Miss in that 2021 class. And, uh, you know, is he ready to do something? I don't think so. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago at my Southern Elite Combine where I'm going to tell you he was just a monster, hands down monster the entire day. Uh, Best receiver on the field, and there were four or five SEC caliber receivers on the field. He told me then, and I got to spend a little time with him. He told me then, you know, he wasn't going to be in any kind of hurry. He's not pushing the gas pedal on his recruitment to, to ultimately decide where he wants to go but in my personal opinion Ben I think Ole Miss is in the driver's seat right now for him will it stay that way I don't know but I think Jacob Peeler's done a great job with him and as you know Kosciuszko is Peeler's hometown that's his old stomping ground so you would expect him to be able to uh, to maybe kind of get the inside lane on his recruitment and uh, I think he has to this point looking at the calendar for recruiting Coming off a dead period, what's it like now with fall camp coming around? They're going to have to switch gears on the coaches to focus in on the team itself and getting them through practices and things like that. But how do they balance the recruiting aspect of it? How does the schedule line up? Yeah, and it's not only the Ole Miss coaches that have to shift gears and start paying attention to the product they're going to put on the field on August 31st. It's the recruits as well. They're all about to start practice, getting ready for their seasons. And, uh, you know, the the attention for a little bit, everyone's attention for a little bit goes to the to the purpose, to the end purpose of, hey, you got to get this team ready for the season. And even the players, they've got to be ready to, uh, you know, to perform this season. So everybody's attention in August is going to shift to practice. Uh, that's just a natural event. And then once the games start rolling along in September, October, you know, you'll have those weekends where you'll bring those recruits in on unofficial visits. Some unofficial visits, Ole Miss likes to push their officials back into December. I think that's a great strategy too, by the way. But uh, that's kind of what we're looking at. You know, you're going to have this, this last bit of recruiting rush in the month of July. And then obviously come August, Ole Miss's attention is going to turn to the team and these recruits' attention, well, it's going to it's going to turn to their teams as well. Okay, now looking at the non-committed guys that you mentioned might be close to coming into the boat, who are those guys? Well, I, I think Jabari Small, you talk with um, – I mean, you start that conversation with him. Now, he has said that uh, he's probably going to commit mid-August, around August the 15th, uh, before his senior season starts. He's taken a couple of, uh, you know, just I, – I, I call them to make sure visits. Yeah, he just just went over to Arkansas and visited. He's supposed to go to Auburn and take a look-see before he makes his announcement. But, I, again, I think Ole Miss is in great position with Jabari Small. Of course, he's an Ole Miss legacy. His dad, Eddie Small, a pretty darn good wide receiver here uh, many, many years ago. Not many, many, but uh, many years ago. Let's just say it like that. Uh, I I think it starts with him. He's got a teammate up there, Briarcrest Christian, Amari Thomas, uh, who is a defensive tackle. Uh, I I know Ole Miss feels good about Amari Thomas. He's very close with Jabari Small, too, by the way. So, uh, you know, you could see some kind of tandem coming out of Briarcrest. I like Ole Miss's position better for small than I do for Amari Thomas right now, but Ole Miss is in it for Amari Thomas. And then another guy, you know, we talked briefly about uh, Emmanuel Forbes, a cornerback uh, down at Grenada, Mississippi. He's committed to Mississippi State. The Bulldogs got out in front on him, offered him first. Ole Miss now has offered him after watching him camp over the summer. And uh, Emmanuel has told me time and time again, he grew up an Ole Miss Rebel. Uh, so uh, you kind of you kind of like that. He grew up an Ole Miss fan. He's always pulled for Ole Miss. Got to like Ole Miss's chances uh, to ultimately flip him if that's in fact what they decide they want to do. 
You wrote a story on Tuesday, Ole Miss landed three commitments inside the brand new top 247 rankings for the 2020 class. Of course, they all dropped. All of these commitments that are in the 247s dropped in rankings. Explain that to me. I, I don't deal with the 247 guys in the rankings, but, but how does Ole Miss always have guys drop? Yeah, you know, I, I wish I could explain that, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, it, it's, um, you know, from, from our angle and looking at things through red and blue glasses, you know, we, we want to say conspiracy theory. Um, I, I, I'm not there. I don't believe it's a conspiracy theory. I think it's been some uh, uh, just some unfortunate um, happening, so to speak, in terms of when these rankings are done and, 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 and adjustments are made coinciding with when these guys commit to Ole Miss. Now, I'm not defending anyone because I understand a fan looking at it and going, man, that, that just smells a little fishy right there. But um, I, I don't have an answer for it. I, I don't think I can get an answer for it. Um, I do not think uh, there is a conspiracy out there where, uh, you know, kid commits to Ole Miss and they're going to be dropped in the rankings. But uh, but but there are others who do. I, I guarantee you that there are others who matter that that do think that uh, because uh, I, I've taken the phone calls. And, uh, you know, but but uh, Ben, I don't have an explanation for it. I really and truly don't. Well, let's look at it from a positive angle. Which player that's currently committed for the 2020 class could maybe jump the next time these rankings are released? Is there any guy out there that you think has the potential to really make a leap because of his play in the fall? You know what? That's a that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, just scanning the commitment list. I, I, I mean, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite guys is Kentrell Bullock, the running back out of Columbia, Mississippi. Uh, 5'10", 195. Uh, you know, he came in over the summer and he ran an incredible 40 time on the turf at the Manning Center. Uh, first thing I do is pull his film up. His film matches what, what his measurements and camp stats are. Uh, he's, he's the real deal. I think, I think he's very underrated. Um, and he's very talented Columbia, Mississippi high school football team. So I keep my eye on him. Another guy, Cedric Johnson, uh, defensive end slash outside linebacker out of Mobile, Alabama, uh, has put on like 40 really good pounds over the offseason. So nobody's got any film. Johnson's playing around 230 this fall. Everybody's film on him. He's playing about 190, 195. So I think he has become a, a, a force. I talked to his high school coach. His high school coach is saying, look, he's not the same kid he was last season. So he's another one that you could keep your eyes on to maybe maybe go out there and put some incredible film out and, and make a big-time jump. He's David Johnson at Rebels247 on Twitter. We work together at the Old Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. He's got his own podcast, The Insiders because he decided to leave me. But that's okay. We're not going to hold it against him. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Thank you for not holding anything against me. I I appreciate that. That was David Johnson for a recruit check. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud and wherever you get your podcast. I thought it was on Spotify. I did the paperwork or the fill-out form for it, and yet I was told on Twitter at Spirit Ben that it's not on Spotify, so I'll get it on Spotify. It's supposed to be wherever you can get a podcast. And if it's not there, let me know, at Spirit Ben. But if you search Talk of Champions, wherever you get your podcast, it should be there. But make sure to leave that five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you haven't already, go to the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and fill it with 247 Sports. Going to go now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Ole Miss running backs coach Derek Nix. Ole Miss opens fall camp next week. The running backs are a big, big, big part 
of whether or not Ole Miss will be successful. One of the few returning starters on offense is Scotty Phillips. How's Devon Penniman doing? And, of course, Jerrion Ely, that five-star running back that everyone is so excited about. Derek Nix joins us now on the Modern Woodman phone line. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago. I'm talking a couple of months where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids and everything else. I'm sure most everyone of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local Modern Woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does Modern Woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org. www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is Ole Miss running backs coach Derek Nix. Fall camp opens in about a week. D. Nix, it's already up on you. Does it feel like football's around the corner? Do you feel it now? It, I do, man. Uh, as soon as 4th of July ends uh, with that last firework going off, it's just a kind of like a like an alarm clock getting set. There's uh, the ticks, and, uh, man, you know it's getting ready to be football time, and you know it's about time to get these kids in here for training camp and get started and start building uh, building you know, a solid foundation, which you see is going to be, be about. What's the vibe right now around the Manning Center, the locker room, the weight room? Does it feel like a new beginning? That's been the mantra from Matt Luke and everybody, that it feels like it's a restart, that you've hit the reset button, all the sanctions and stuff are gone. Um, is there a general excitement feel of freedom right now over there? It is. You know, it's an exciting time. I think it's a feeling of uh, unfinished business. I think uh, a lot to go out and prove. Um, I think the guys are confident and I think just eager to go out and show how much we've progressed in the, uh, you know, in the last year and, and during the all season. And, um, I think just a, just a sense of uh, getting back out there and finishing what we've kind of started. How does it work from a position group standpoint? They all obviously follow the same general plan under Paul Jackson and strength and conditioning. But there's a number of different things I'm sure that you target for Scotty Phillips or Jerry on Ely or Isaiah Woolard on down the line that you want to see them get better with. So how do you kind of mesh that together? You follow Paul Jackson, but also getting done the individual things that you yourself know you want to see from particular guys. Well, yeah, you're just trying to go back for all the guys that are returning, like Scotty and Isaiah. You try to go back and watch film from a year ago and see the things that did well, see the things that didn't do so well, and uh, see minor adjustments we can do to try to try to fix it and try to get those covered during the spring time or during the summer. And then for even like new guys like Ely, you know, besides just getting in shape, you know, getting familiar with our system, getting familiar how we do things, and uh, getting them started with a foundation on uh, what to expect coming forward this uh, next season. So, Scotty Phillips, what does he need to be better with next year? What did he do well, and what did you identify as the area of improvement for him? I told him, you know, the, the number one thing, his goal should be um, in his mind to become a complete running back that it can be an every-down guy. 
you know, being consistent, uh, being a guy that's more disciplined on his runs. Uh, one of the things I want to control was uh, his body, his size, you know, getting him back into a position where he's in that 205, 210 range with his weight. Um, and then, you know, just becoming more familiar with what we're doing in the passing game, being more of an option there out of the backfield, uh, continue to progress in, the, in pass protection, knowing it inside and out. And just doing more of his, knowing more than, than than just his job, but how the whole offense, uh, you know, come together. Scotty Phillips has been getting some NFL hype going into this year. You've been in the NFL, you know how it works. You know the scouting reports. What makes him an ideal fit for the NFL right now? I think the number one thing is he's a compact, uh, low to the ground runner. I think he uh, has explosive uh, first step uh, when the hole is there. It doesn't take him a long time to get to his top speed. Uh, I think. Uh, when you look at a running back, I think that's one of the first things you look at is that his initial burst and quickness, what type of guy uh, would he be? And then who can do more than what the play is blocked up for? Um, anybody can go up and run for five yards if everybody's got a hat on the hat. But sometimes it's going to be a linebacker on block. Sometimes it's going to be a safety on block. You know, what are you going to be able to do to get us more, to go get more yaks? And I think that, that is the biggest challenge to becoming a, an elite running back. The offense lost so much, the most starters in the SEC. Offensive line's pretty much brand new, wide receivers too. But then there's Scotty. If you go into the year knowing that you're going to rely on Scotty, especially early, to kind of carry the offense for a guy that's quiet, that goes about his business in a very workmanlike way, how do you pull it out of him to be, because he's kind of a leader by default, to be that leader and take things over if he needs to? Well, you know, the, the number one thing is is that going out and doing your job. I think that's the number one thing. Uh, this man, you don't have to uh, play above your head. You don't have to do anything else special besides go out and do your job and do it, you know, with everything you got, 110%. I think that's where it all starts. And I think everybody else kind of falls in line after that. When they see a guy that's a senior here, a guy that's had success, the way he trains, the way he practices, the way he approaches everything, I think that's the one thing is setting that example on what to expect and how to do things. How are Devon Penniman and Isaiah Willard doing? Where is Devon right now? Devon is in a really good place, um, doing really well this summer in conditioning. Um, he's got his weight down to about 230. Um, he is, uh, he's learned what I want from him out of this offense, and I think he has a great understanding. Uh, I'm curious to see what he's going to look like when he gets pads on. I thought he did uh, pretty good this spring uh, coming off of that knee injury, and uh, hopefully he can take another step and, be close to the guy that we had in 2017. Uh, Isaiah Willard, I think he's challenging himself right now to take the game up a step forward and continue to become that complete running back as well. I think the experience he got last year is uh, invaluable. It's gave him a lot of confidence, and uh, he's basically becoming to a leadership role too, not so much uh, verbally, but just the way he works, and he's kind of set the bar high for our position. So when you lose Cam Akers, you went after Isaiah Woolard, you picked him up, you committed him. When you looked at him, when you watched him, and you finally made the decision to pull the trigger on a scholarship, you fought for him. But what made you fight so hard for him to get him and bring him on? Well, you know, the number one thing is he came to our camp that summer, and I knew that whole year we were only going to be the sign one running back. We really didn't need one, but we needed to, you know, we wanted to get a guy we thought would be a good fit, but. His work ethic, um, the way he uh, performed in our camp, he ran really fast, he caught the ball well. He did everything the right way. And the only thing he didn't have is really just all the accolades as far as 
recruiting accolades, being ranked as a five-star and all that. Um, but the guy was very, very successful. He's productive. And uh, he came in with a chip on his shoulder and really a lot to prove. The thing about him is that he came from a small classification. And with most guys like that, especially Mississippi, that's one of your prime recruiting territories, is they don't get the same eyeballs on them as other high-profile prospects across the country. What is it like for you going out there on the recruiting trail and finding guys like that? Like, how do you find an Isaiah Woolard when you're canvassing Mississippi, just looking to fill a need? And how do you come upon that guy? Well, you know, I think that would epitomize the Mississippi recruiting. You have to be able to go through and, you know, turn over, over overturn every rock you can and make sure you as many schools you can and try to build a relationship with these coaches. They know better than we know uh, about who can really play and what they're all about. And uh, being able to see a guy like Isaiah live, regardless of the classification he's in, being able to see him play live, I think was uh, invaluable to me uh, and to our staff. Him taking a leap of faith coming up here and working out of camp without an offer. And then him just really sticking with us throughout the whole recruiting process. Man, he was a guy that really, really wanted to be at Ole Miss. And I think that means something too when you have a guy that he wants to be at your place, he wants to work with you. And uh, again, I've already probably previously in my past had a lot of success uh, with guys that uh, they come in with a little bit more to prove at times and overplay or play better than what everybody else projected. Is there one thing that you have to see from a running back when you're scouting and recruiting out there? Yeah, I think that uh, just that natural sense of uh, being a back, you know, everybody worry about 40 times and all that. I think that's part of it. But the main thing is a guy that can change direction, a guy that's got balance. Uh, that initial burst that I talked about with Scotty earlier, and uh, there's a guy that refuses to go down and plays with a little bit of toughness. Because being a running back is more than carrying the ball. I mean, he's got to go out there and be a receive out of the backfield. He's got to protect. He's basically getting hit every play. And uh, it takes a guy with a little bit of an intestinal fortitude to go play it. And uh, I think it's unique to be able to do it and kind of involved in every aspect of the game. 11 personnel is something that's so prevalent in college football at this point. Most everybody's doing it. The NFL, they seem to be doing it on 60% of snaps at this point. For a running back, that means there's more responsibility in blocking. And you've talked about this before. That's the number one thing for guys trying to get on the field that they have to get better with once they get to college. So when you look at the personnel groupings now, what's the emphasis like for the running backs in blocking? And has that now become something that when you're recruiting, you tell guys, if you can't block, I can't sign you? No doubt. I mean, I, that's kind of one of the, the deciding factors for me on Saturdays who really play and, and who I can really trust, um, you know, out there in the field. And, you know, obviously we're recruiting them because we think they're good runners. But, you know, when it comes to third and five, third and six, third and seven, or just any type of drop back situation, we got to have a guy that not only is willing to protect uh, just a linebacker or a DB or whoever it may be, but also understands, you know, four down, three down, bear, you know, what we're doing schematically to be able to keep that quarterback upright. And uh, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, one mistake there, and uh, you can change your whole season with your quarterback going down. Devon Penniman had a really serious injury. It looked almost like it could be career-ending, and it could have been for a lot of people. What have you liked about his resolve in battling back? And do you think you can ever get – the old Devon Penniman back. How do you come back from something like that and get back to your normal stuff? It takes so much time, I would assume. Yeah, i tell you what, that kid has had a smile on his face the whole time, and he has really, really, really worked. I, think I give our uh, training staff and our uh, strength staff a lot of credit. 
for helping him get back to where he's at right now. And uh, the kid just had that it factor about him that he wants to be great and he wants to do something special with himself. And uh, you're right. You know, it looked on film, it looked a lot worse than um, than what it is. And he's in a position right now where he just progressed. He's just hungry. He uh, he knows it's just one of his greatest opportunities playing college football and playing at Ole Miss and playing in the SEC. And he want to make sure that uh, you know he gets everything he got to to get himself back to being 100. percent And right now he's doing that. He's doing everything asked of him. And uh, I just I kind of judge it on how a guy conditions himself and get himself back in shape. And he's challenged himself to do that. Okay, I've gone 11 minutes. I got to ask about Jerion Ely now. So when you're recruiting Jerion and there's that looming question of baseball, do you still treat it the same way as you do with a normal recruitment to where you expect to get him, commit him, sign him, and then he enrolls? With a guy like that with a question mark hanging over his head immediately when you sign him, does that influence the recruiting process at all? Well, not really. Not for us. We were in a position that, uh, you know, we always knew that baseball was, was there for him. Um, you know, he expressed, you know, his feelings about baseball throughout the recruiting process. And uh, we wanted to sign him regardless. I mean, we were going at him full speed ahead. We wanted him here. And, uh, you know, if he had the opportunity to be drafted where he wanted in a draft for baseball and do that, you know, we're going to tell him, God bless him, good luck, and go do it. Uh, so, to me, on my end of it, you know, it, it didn't really affect us at all. Uh, probably we did a lot more emphasis to make sure that he got exposed to our baseball coaches and our facilities when he came here just as much as football throughout his recruiting process. When you're recruiting him, when you're scouting him, for Ole Miss fans out there that just pay attention to recruiting services like the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, and they just see Jerry on Ely five-star running back, they immediately expect to come in and rush for a 1,000 yards and do all these different types of things. For you, what was your scouting report of Jerry Ely? What did you see, and what can he be? You know, I, the the attributes we talked about earlier, you know, just the, just the speed, the speed factor. Uh, I think that's the thing that initially pops out in your mind when you watch his film, and that he plays at a different gear from everybody else. Uh, his versatility, his ability to catch the football and be in a lineup a receiver and be in a healthy special teams. I mean, he instantly, with all of those attributes, uh, has helped you more than offense than the special team as well. Um, I think just his winning attitude, I think he won four state championships while he was there. I mean, this guy is used to winning. Uh, he knows what it looks like. He knows what it takes. And uh, to bring that part to our program as well, I think it's invaluable. And I think it's going to pay big uh, dividends in the future. You know, his upside to me, I think the uh, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, I don't want to put any more pressure on him than he already has. Uh, I think he's taking one step at a time and trying to learn it and uh, get him in the fall camp, find a niche for him to get started and see how he can progress from there. I'm going to put you in the hot seat. Is he the best all-around back you signed out of high school at Ole Miss? He's uh, yet to be seen yet. He's yet to be seen. I think he's up there in the top part of it. And I guess coming from high school, he's probably he's probably is one of the best for sure coming out of high school. But let's see how his, how his career develops here at Ole Miss, and and I get back to him in about about another two or three years. Not that he a good answer. <laughs> the thing about Jerion is he's coming into Ole Miss with so many expectations by no fault of his own. It's all hype created by recruiting services and fans just being excited about the player. So what would the advice then be from you for Jerion on how to handle that? and put that to the side and just go play football. There has to be a little bit of anxiety on his part just to live up to the expectations he did not even create. 
Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's always still just football. And I think you got to have blinders on when you're a player or even a coach. Can't read everything that people say or that's good or bad about you. You know, somewhere in the middle line, truth. And um, just worry about the things you can control. You control how hard you work. You control learning what to do. And then let the chips fall when they may when you get back on the field and let your talent take over. Okay, the last thing about Jerrion, and then we'll move on. He commits, then he decommits, then he recommits and signs. Was there ever a point you were really nervous about Jerrion Ely not being an Ole Miss Rebel? Shoot, throughout this whole recruiting process, nervous <laughs> uh, <laughs> every day, uh, even when he was committed, because of, just because of the uh, type of athlete and type of running back he is. Uh, you know, it's never over until a guy signs. And uh, so, just nervous. It wasn't any. I don't know if the decommitment part of it was any more dramatic than anything else because uh, you know throughout the whole time it's going to be a fight for a guy like him and the schools that we're competing for, competing against for him. You know, I think that is uh, that's just a natural attitude every day. You're wondering what is this guy thinking, what is he going, what is he going to do, and it's not over until it's over. He's a Mississippi kid, and again, you recruit Mississippi like crazy. Um, this state's different than like Louisiana. Louisiana kids go to LSU. Mississippi, you have to fight to keep your kids in state. Why do you think that is? We'll get right back to Ole Miss running backs coach Derek Nix. But first, let me tell you about the Oxford Park Commission and Cheney's Pharmacy. The Oxford Park Commission is currently registering for youth flag football in the fall baseball season. Leagues are open for ages 6 to 12 in football and 6 to 15 in baseball. Cost to sign up for football is $50, while it's just $40 for baseball. Each sport will be played at FNC Park. For more details, visit www.oxfordparkcommission.com. That's www.oxfordparkcommission.com. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Com. Chinese pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. You know, um, you know, I don't know. Throughout my years of doing it, I think, um, I think the kids here, you know, I think, uh, I think they're just, I guess, a little more. Um, what's the word I want to say? I guess they're just more biased to having great relationships with people. Um, you know, have an opportunity to to know who's going to be there coaching them and, and have an opportunity to showcase their abilities across the nation and the world. But to answer your question, I don't know. I don't know. Um, luckily, we won out on him, and hopefully he go in and have a great career, and we'll be looking back smiling about it uh, years from now. Okay, offensively, before we get out of here, lose so much. You got a new quarterback, a new offensive line, new wide receiver. Scotty's back at running back. What place is the offense in right now going into fall camp? After spring, with the summer, do you see it coming together? Can you see the pieces falling into place? Yes, I do. I think the number one thing is just a tougher uh, mentality is what I see coming out of spring. Uh, just a um, hard-nosed, blue-collar, hard-edge, uh, taking, uh, taking a phrase from Coach Rich Rod, just being a tougher offense and uh, everybody being more accountable to each other. and um, A little bit more togetherness, I would say, is uh, going through spring and summer right now and 
Um, I think it's just a sense of responsibility. Hey, not only are we going to, you know, score points and move the football, but we're going to have a tough mindset about it too. And I think that's what I've really noticed uh, so far. Schematically, is there much different as far as the calls in the running back room? I mean, is what's really changed with the new offensive coordinator? Not a whole lot. Uh, a lot of it's the same. I think the GOC has um, possibly get a lot more opportunities to carry the football. But as far as what we run and basically some of the teachings are a lot the same. Okay, so how do you fix the red zone issues? Come up with a better game plan and, and go out and execute. <laughs> uh, I thought you'd say just give the ball to Scotty. That, that's, I figured the short of it was just give the ball to Scotty more. You know what? That, if that come up the schematic the right way to do it, that's what probably will happen. But find a way to get in the end zone and come up with a great plan and go out and execute it. Okay, so Matt Corral, everybody's pointing to him. He goes to SEC Media Days. He's the only underclassman that goes. From your vantage point, what do you see in him? What can he be? And how has he taken over this offense as he's needed to? Obviously, a talented guy that, um, you know, he got an opportunity last year to play in about four games. And um, a guy that's playing in a leadership position at quarterback, um, I think he's, uh, he's matured more than what his age really shows. He's still got a lot of things to learn, but it shows right now he's taking the bull by the horn and trying to do everything he can to to put his thumb on his offense and try to lead us the, the right way. All right, last one. Tyrone was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I told him straight up, he's softened a little bit, D-Nix. He's not the same. He's a little bit softer now. <laughs> he talks a little bit softer. He's more laughing and joking. What's happened here? Oh, I just, I just think that, um, you know, this comes with age over time and, being around him, I guess, all my life now and knowing him, you know, it's just uh, more than one way to skin a cat. And uh, but I think as you get older, I think everybody generally gets a little, I guess, a little bit softer. But believe me, he still, he still got the, uh, he still, still got that hard fist mentality. And uh, I think the guys he coached right now, they realize that as well. Yeah, he said he could still out bench everybody. So. There's still a little bit that. Oh yeah. There. oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. He and he and he and Coach Rex, they're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna go in there and get their workout in, and uh, both of them look like they can go give us a couple of snaps at uh, at notes. Okay, if you had to pick one to win in an arm wrestling match, is it Roach or is it T Nix? It depends on what's on the line. They put it that way. Okay, if a meal at Ajax is on the line, meal at Ajax on the line, uh, probably uh, T Nix is gonna get. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's, how, that's how that works. That's how that works. Uh, how's it been having your brother back? Uh, being great, man. Um, but not only just because of my brother, but I mean, he's got a wealth of knowledge and, uh, and recruiting and wealth of knowledge with defense and, you know, especially dealing with uh, players on a day-to-day basis, you know, getting a chance to be a sponge around him. And he's been some other places too and got some other ideas on how people do some things that, it's been great to have him back to have on a personal level as well. And just to see him, I think he's happy uh, to be back here at Ole Miss and, and uh, ready to go roll up the sleeve and go to work and compete. He's Derek Nix, Ole Miss running backs coach. What are you going to do? One fun thing you're going to do the, the next week before fall camp starts. Anything to reset yourself and get ready for fall coming? Uh, only thing, man, is just focus on what we got to do for, for install and play my little daughter for a little bit. And that's about it, man. That's it. Come on, man. You got to take her to a movie or something. Get her out in the yard and uh, 
I'm trying to shoot, uh, teach her how to hit the ball off the tee right now. So that's been there. That's kind of my project. That's my project for like the next three days. Dude, if you need help, I taught my oldest daughter to do it. She's a slugger now. I, I'm a little too aggressive as a third base coach. Got her thrown out a couple of times, but she can swing it. So if you need help. <laughs> well, if I had a three, and she's showing some ability to be able to swing in. Yeah. She might be a switcher. She bats right hand and left hand right now. So uh, maybe I can keep that going. Yeah, and put the ball in her left hand. She could be an MLB pitcher for 15 years if she only throws 85 miles an hour. Boom. We that's figured right. out how to make that's her a millionaire. Right. Hey, that's right. Take care of dad one day, man. I, I, I like that plan. Yeah, that's all they're here for, just to take care of us when we're old. He's Derek Nix, almost <laughs> running backs coach. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you. We'll do it again. No problem. That was Ole Miss running backs coach Derek Nix on the Modern Woodman phone line. This is Talk of Champions, powered by BNA Bank. I don't know about you, but I want my banking made simple. And I certainly want to trust the people who've got my money. Well, if you're like me, BNA Bank is where you need to go. Maybe you're a student just starting out. You don't know much about personal banking or business banking, loan services. Well, I tell you who does. BNA Bank, be it Mike Staten, Bo Collins, Vance Witt, my buddy Bob Spencer. These are friends of the podcast. Ole Miss fans, sure, but more importantly, they care about you. They're going to take care of you. They're going to make sure that your banking experience is done flawlessly, comfortably, and with trust and respect. With a five-star rating from Bauer Financial and an excellent rating from Weiss Ratings, VNA Bank is recognized as one of the strongest financial institutions in the country. But where can you find them? How about bnabank.com? Or give them a call, 662-534-8171, 662-534-8171. BNA's main office and two branch offices are located in New Albany, my hometown, with another branch located in Myrtle, two branches in Tupelo and Lee County, Mississippi, and one loan production office in Oxford. Where you put your money matters, and the only place to put your money, the only place that Ben Garrett puts his money, is BNA Bank. So check them out, bnabank.com, 662-534-8171. There's no other place. They've helped me. They'll help you. Tell them Ben Garrett of Talk of Champions sent you. And now, back to Talk of Champions. Before we went to David Johnson, before we went to Derek Nix, we were going to answer some leftover mailbag questions. It's my fault. He got me talking about wrestling. And when I get talking about wrestling, I don't (laughs) stop. It's all Bennett's fault, but it's really my fault. I should have shut up. We've got questions to answer. The first coming from Jamez at Humawicha1422. Okay. What is the blueprint to get Ole Miss back to SEC West relevancy? Well, recruiting, obviously. February salvaged the 2019 class. Um, Ole Miss, I think, added some foundational pieces from Jerion Ely and Jonathan Mingo to Lakia Henry and others. And the 2020 class is currently ranked 17th in the country by 247 Sports. They need to get that number closer to 10th, not necessarily this season, but in future cycles, because 17th, while that's strong, it's still only good enough for middle of the pack in the SEC. Still, recruiting, that's where it starts, and then you have to have a capable quarterback. It's simple, but that's the blueprint. So much rides on Matt Corral being good from the moment he takes his first snap. And that's a tall order for a guy who has 22 pass attempts on his resume so far, but that's where Ole Miss is right now. Defensively, Ole Miss can get by with a group that does one thing particularly well. Like maybe they get turnovers at a regular rate and a total defense that ranks in the 50s. And that's doable this year. They return the most starters of any defense for better or worse 
They return the most starters on defense of any group in the SEC. So that's doable. But where Ole Miss can turn things around quickly and get back to relevancy is on the recruiting trail and with success from Matt Corral. And it sounds simplistic, but really football isn't all that complicated. You get talent and make sure you get a good quarterback and you figure out the rest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially defensive talent, it's really hard to, and this league especially, it's really hard to offense your way to eight, nine, ten wins. You look at those Ole Miss teams from a couple of years ago, the offense got all the attention with Chad Kelly and Tunzel and Treadwell and those guys, but that defense was really good for a two to three year stretch there. And that really made the difference. So it's uh, it's quarterback play, it's, it's defensive recruiting, and it's just about getting back to having an identity on both sides of the ball. Ole Miss hadn't had that in a long time, and um, I, I think they're slowly getting there. And, and I think offensively they've got an identity now. It's Rich Rod for however long he's here. But defensively that still needs to be figured out. But that's, that's definitely it. Defensive talent, defensive recruiting, quarterback play, and um, getting back to, to finding your niche. And uh, Ole Miss found its niche in, uh, a few years ago, and it worked out very well. But um, they've got to get back to that point uh, under Matt Luke. And his, his niche is going to be different than Hugh Freeze's and the guy before him. So, um, But that, that's kind of the formula for sure. Another question from Jamez, how big of a deal are the budget cuts? They're significant. Ole Miss lost a lot of money through that NCAA colonoscopy, if you will. So they have to cut some corners. Almost hasn't won games at a regular rate for two, three years now. So yeah. for Ole Miss, you got to win. But the budget cuts are a necessary evil because you're trying to keep your profit margin in a reasonable area while you get through the tough times. The expectation is that Matt Luke is going to let is going to get them to a winning formula again. That they're going to start winning games. And once you budget like this and make cuts where necessary, you can then save. And once you start winning again, the money starts coming in, you can get back to normal. You make the budget cuts now when times are tough, but you don't expect those tough times to continue. So while they're concerning right now, they're a necessary evil for what you're going through. The expectation is you're going to get out of it, but right now this is where you are. So you have to make the cuts. Right, and and it's also not – it's not like they're cutting off important stuff. It's not like Kermit's having to stay after practice and wash all the jerseys yeah. himself for basketball practice. No. Or like, the private plane run. isn't able to fly to meet a recruit. It's not right. Important. Yeah, exactly. That stuff is, is remaining the same. It, it's cutting around the margins. It's it's cutting some of the fat, some of the stuff that when times are good and, and your coffers are full, you can spend that money and that you're better for it. But in times where you, you've gone through what Ole Miss has gone through, you don't really have that stuff that, yeah, it's not really necessary, but it's also it's always nice to have. You can cut back on that kind of stuff and still run your programs and run your athletic department um, to a full capacity. Um, but it's just about being responsible. And I think it's good for Ole Miss to take a look and say, hey, where can we cut for a couple of years? Let's figure this out. Um, because I think the alternative to that would be spending is normal. And then two years from now, you look and you realize, oh, you messed up. And it, it's kind of like um, you know, trying to stop a train. Like it takes like a mile and a half or something. Um, by the time you try and do that, it's too late. Um, so doing it now as a preventative measure, I think makes a lot of sense, but it's, it's not a real concern. Like your, your program of choice is still going to run just fine. Um, but it's just, um, it, it's, it's one of those things where, um, because that's in the news now and there's, everyone's covering that kind of stuff. It becomes, it seems like a big deal, but I don't know that it's something that really should be worrying the average fan. 
No, you shouldn't worry about it. You wouldn't know about it in other years. It's not like Ole Miss right, hasn't gone exactly. through this before. It's, and, and it's not like Ole Miss is the only school that's doing that kind of stuff. It's, it's not basic like, balancing of the books. Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. Jamez has one more question. With Ross no longer Ole Miss's AD, tell us some of y'all's off-the-record talks. Oh, God. I've told the story on this podcast before, but in 2016, July of that year, after the draft, the Laramie Tunsil draft, the Laquan Robert draft, when all of the stuff came out about potential immunity being granted to opposing players and some rumors out there that the investigation into Ole Miss after its original NOA initially came out, they weren't looking into anything, but Laramie Tunsil, that's what Ole Miss was told, but everyone else had this stuff that they were looking into this, this, and this. And it was true from February until then, but that's because the NCAA changed its own investigative rules on Ole Miss and didn't tell them, didn't notify them, which is in their bylaws. They ignored them and then changed the bylaws in March of that year to be able to do what they want to do because the NCAA has no oversight. It can do what it wants to do. So in July, I hit up Ross. I'm like, dude, this is what is out there. This is what I'm hearing. And he said, Ben, I swear to God, if the NCAA is investigating anything other than Laramie Tunsil on draft night, we don't know about it. And that just shows you that the NCAA did not operate in good faith. Another good one was when they were getting absolutely blitzed about their handling of the investigation. I remember Ross called me. He was pissed. And I basically told him, look, man, what did you expect? What would you expect from Ole Miss fans right now? I completely sympathize with them. They should be angry. Why wouldn't they be angry? But he did tell a really good story about how much work went into getting Dante Moncrief cleared from that car nonsense. And that was Alabama week. And they battled the NCAA all week. Dante didn't even travel. He thought he wasn't playing all week. And Ole Miss didn't get him cleared until they were getting on the bus. He literally had to get up out of his house, off his couch, and rush to the bus. He was cleared that minute. He could go play. So the Friday afternoon before Ole Miss played Alabama, Dante Moncrief was cleared. But no one really heard about that. And there were a lot of conversations that I had with Ross about fights like that that don't go public but were just as tough and critical. But the NCAA further shows they just had it completely out for Ole Miss, completely out for Ole Miss. And there were other off-the-record conversations. I mean, I knew about Kermit Davis's candidacy, that Steve Forbes was not a candidate. Uh, all this stuff I reported. Uh, Penny Hardaway's candidacy. You can read the oral history of um, the hire that led to Kermit Davis. That details a lot of stuff. But all those rumors – there, there are a lot of things, but that's part of the business. That's part of the business. I'm not going to air out everything we talked about, but we talked about a lot of stuff. But um, that, that's part of doing business. You, you have those relationships, right. and me and Ross had a good working relationship. You know that. You, you were my, my editor for a number of big things that I was writing. Yeah, a lot of, lot, a lot of stuff with, with good stuff from Ross. And um, I think so much of Ross's tenure is just I don't know that he was the, the best idea. I don't know he was the worst idea. I think so much of it was just kind of – out of his control, but and I think I'm very interested to see what he does at A&M. But just on a personal level, I like Ross, and I and every time I talk to him, uh, he was always very nice to me. So I got nothing bad to say about him. Everyone has those stories from, oh yeah, you know, so much stuff that went on, and there was only so much you can do in in situations like that. He was a good dude to deal with. I was very critical. He appreciated it, and he told me this, and I told him that we had a very candid relationship. How I talk to you guys on this podcast is exactly how I talk to everybody, including to Ross Bjork, though there's more colorful language sprinkled in. Bennett knows that better right. than anybody. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, I was candid. I was just honest with him, and he'd ask my opinion, and um, I valued his opinion on things. He valued my opinion on things. It was a good working relationship. And Keith Carter, same thing. I like Keith a lot. Whoever the AD is, whether the next AD is Keith or someone else they hire from the outside, I expect to have the exact same relationship. I'm not going to change the way I cover things. Um, I'm going to treat everybody equally. I'm just here to do a job, man. That's all I'm here to do. I'm here to do the job and do it well, and some are going to like me, some are not. That's part of it. All right, a few more. Ryan Wiggins, are aliens real? Yes. It's more naive to think that we're the only intelligent life in the universe. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I don't have any proof or anything. No. But just common common sense would say that there there's something something else out there. And if not now, then at some point in the past or some point in the future. So, yeah, sure. What if we're the aliens? Actually, we are the aliens to the other intelligent life. <laughs> They're wondering there about us. Yeah. Ryan Wiggins. Hello, Benjamin. The world needs to know, is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes, it's a piece of meat between two pieces of bread. It's a sandwich. There you go. Are you going to disagree with me? I just don't really care. Like, I don't consider it a sandwich, but I don't have any sort of reasoning to, to back that up. So, no, I don't, I don't consider it a sandwich. But what, what is it then? It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog is a hot dog. It's just a hot dog. That doesn't make any sense. It can't, it's got to be something. You don't classify it as just hot dog. It has to go into a category. See, I, I, I don't care enough to, to fight this fight with you. So, um, I, it's just, <laughs> you hear the inflection change in my voice, and you know you have to get out of this early. I don't care either. Yeah. But so I, I don't consider it to be a sandwich, but I'm, I definitely won't fight anyone on it that, uh, that considers it one. So It's a sandwich. Last one, Will Dewey at What the Dewey. Given Ole Miss's historically dismal performance on defense last year, or last three years, what would an attainable goal be this year? Over, under, total defense rank of 80? Should we just be happy to finally make it into the top 100 since 2015? I mean, first off, it's got to be, there's got to be clear steps from a discipline and a just like a dumb penalty standpoint, like lining up correctly, fewer penalties, fewer guys out of place, fewer guys not knowing what it is. So, I think it's very possible that Ole Miss has a much improved defense and it just the numbers aren't going to be very good because they've got such a long way to go. Everyone talks about uh, new system, like new coordinator, like you're good to go, which you are. Uh, Mike McIntyre is a very good defensive coach, but these things take time. Things can tend to usually get better in year two in a system than year one. Um, so I think if you're looking at what should Ole Miss expect, I mean, I think it's realistic to be – going from down in the 100s to top 80 or something from a yards per play standpoint. Fewer penalties, more turnovers. Uh, but this is going to be a process. If you're expecting um, this to be a, a top 40 defensive unit or whatever, I think you're going to be disappointed. But I, I think if you're going to – I think if you go in expecting gradual improvement and just a defense that isn't going to be completely embarrassed every time that they're on the field – um, I think you'll be pleased. I think it's going to be something that week one in Memphis, the defense is going to look a little bit worse than it will in week 11, um, just because they're playing in a system. And by that point of the year, they'll have more experience. So I, it's so hard to put numbers on it, but I think yards per play is what I really care about defensively. And I would expect that to really improve um, as the season goes on. Um, but less penalties, better yards per play allowed, a few more explosive plays, whether that's sacks, turnovers, um, whatever. So that that's kind of where I kind of stand on it. I don't know if you kind of differ. No, I like that. Uh, my big deal is be really good at one thing. Do one thing really well. Sacks, turnovers. Yeah. I don't care. Do something and well. Inter- and I think it's interesting the way the game has gone now because 
you look 10, 15 years ago, the answer was pretty easy. It was, oh, yeah, we're going to stop the run. And you know, that'll be if we can do that, like we'll be good. But the way that offenses are built now, um, they spread the field, your multiple formations, you've got, you know, um, stopping the run. You can be a really good run defense and not be a very good overall defense, especially in the SEC, which was kind of unheard of a few years ago. But now quarterback play is better. Um, offenses are more explosive. They're doing more things to stretch you around the margins, more creative passing games, passing schemes, and better athletes on the outside. I think you really have to um, have to be about preventing the big play and rushing the passer as opposed to stopping the run and, um, and making that a priority. So I think you've got to build your defense differently than you would five, ten years ago. And I, I think that's a real challenge for schools like Ole Miss because um, to do those kind of things now – defend out in space, rush the passer. Um, you've got to have big-time athletes. You know, you, you can only scheme your way to so much in this league. Um, so it's definitely a thing where you've got to run a scheme that's modern and reflects a modern game, but also fits the talent level, athleticism level that you have. And that's a hard kind of – those are two hard things to kind of mesh sometimes. I think finishing in the 70s isn't unrealistic for this group. Yeah, and so much of it is health, too. Ole Miss got beat up a lot. We talk about, you look defensively, so many of those guys on the defensive line uh, I think are pretty good. Benito, Quadir, Shepard, guys like that. But they've got to stay healthy. And if they don't stay healthy, that's where things, I think, can get really ugly. Um, but you look at Ole Miss last year, yard for play allowed. They were 113th. They allowed 6.32 yards per play. Um, is it realistic to jump to, let's say, jump to 78 last year? Um, that's 5.87 yards for play. So that's half a yard. Um, that's a big that's a big jump, obviously, but it's not crazy. It's not like you're trying to jump from 6.32 to just about four, which is where Mississippi State was last year. They're the best defense in the country in terms of yards for play allowed. But half a yard per play over the course of the season, I think that's doable. Um, and that would you would still be in a below average defense, but you're in the 78 to 80 range as opposed to down at 113 close to the dregs of, of college football. So um, I think perspective is everything. And I think that jump is attainable, um, but you have to realize that even with that jump, there's still going to be a not great defense. But it, it's all part of the process. Dang. Then it brought receipts. Numbers. I, I literally just pulled it up because, I mean, that's – Yards for play, it's not the end-all, be-all, but I think it's a very easy kind of kind of a measuring stick for a defense. You're down to the bottom. I mean, obviously, you're down. The Ole Miss was down there with UTSA and Bowling Green and Winobi. Like This is the, the, the bottom part of college football. You, you, you really have to be great offensively to make that work. Oklahoma was one of the few teams who was able to do that. But you bump it up to 78 you're in there with Syracuse and West Virginia and Pitt and South Florida teams that are much more respectable power five teams that are simply not good at defense as opposed to completely horrific in a rolling dumpster fire. So it's, um, it's just, that's a big step. 30 spots is not nothing, but I also think it's doable, um, with a new scheme, some more talent and, um, in, in good health. And we'll see if all those things kind of hold up. Do that and finish in the top 30 in turnovers. That's a formula. That's a formula to go win and to yeah, potentially get, so. a, get to and, a ball. Yeah, I think the tough thing is turnovers are – they're not lucky, but so much of that is is opportunistic in a ball bouncing the right way or a ball 
uh, hitting the hand or, or doing something like that. So um, I, I think you can have a, a turnover mentality, but I think a lot of that is just sure. You but you can be around the ball. Yeah, Ole yeah, Miss yeah. was always late to the ball last year, notoriously late to the ball. So be around the ball. And if you're around yeah. the ball enough, stands to reason that the ball is going to bounce in your hands every once in a while. Yeah, common sense tells you that if you have a bunch of athletic guys who can hang with guys on the offensive side of the football and you're running with them step for step, you're going to be there where the ball is and you can make a play um, as opposed to where Ole Miss was last year where they're gaping holes in the defense and uh, they could catch the ball, drop it, and pick it back up before Ole Miss could get there. So, yeah, common sense would say better athletes, better scheme, gets you in the right places at the right time, and then you have a chance to make a play. That's it. No more. We're done. Let's talk of champions. Real quick, is this MLB trade deadline going to be dead and boring? It kind of feels that way. Um, if uh, if the, the Tigers really asked for Carter Keyboom for uh, Shane Green, it's if, if that's the kind of if that's the kind of deals that are the kind of offers that are be being asked for right now, then yeah. Um, especially with the, the Giants playing well. So Bumgarner's probably off the market. Will Smith's probably off the market. They've got like six relievers that are good that are probably off the market now. It's just I feel like you're going to have one or two big deals, and then the rest are going to be just teams trying to add around the margin. And I think, unfortunately, for MLB, a uh, slow trade deadline to pair with a really slow offseason um, not exactly what you want from a entertainment value standpoint compared to the NBA, which for about two weeks um, at, the, at the end of June, beginning of July, was just big move after big move after big move, just owning that part of the offseason. And I think MLB is very well on its way to kind of a, a whimper of a trade deadline, unfortunately. Do the Braves do anything notable? Yeah, I think they add a pitcher. I don't know if that's a starter or a reliever, uh, but I, I feel pretty good they add a add a pitcher of some sort and a and a pretty good one. Um, but it, if you told me if you made me uh, bet who that would be, I really don't know. Um, but I think they'll add a either like a mid tier rotation guy or a, a quality reliever, not a not a closer probably, but a good high leverage veteran reliever. So they'll do something and it'll be whatever. But I don't think I'm not expecting. A blockbuster by any means. He's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud and should be wherever you can find a podcast. Just search Talk of Champions. If it isn't there, hit me up on Twitter at Spirit Ben. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OmSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports, the best site for Ole Miss Athletics news. Sign up if you haven't. Check out the recruiting. You heard David Johnson. He's got great recruiting information. You can only get it behind a paywall. And it's cheap. It's like buying one mil a month at Obie's. It's worth it. Check it out. It's the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Absolutely. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress.
The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members FDIC. Out of network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.